Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ruth is Stranger Than Fiction. me again, Ruth McPhee, the eponymous host of Ruth is Stranger Than Fiction. Um, This is, I think we'll call this a mini stranger, although we've made a bit more effort with the drinks this time and I don't know, it might end up being quite long. I don't know how we distinguish anymore between the two, Um, so I guess we'll just decide afterwards. Uh, Chris is with me, hi. Hello. The classic mini stranger combo, Ruth and Chris, possibly Vinny later. Firstly, I'd like to start with an apology. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, I was discussing the village, uh, as I called it, of Wymondham in Norfolk. Uh, I said that completely wrong. It's actually Wyndham. Wyndham in Norfolk. Like Wyndham Earl. Yeah, exactly. But the thing was, it looked like it should have at least three syllables. When you look at the word written down, how was I possibly to know it was Wyndham? So, yeah, sorry about that. Um, A very reliable source informed me that it's actually Wyndham. Um, Claire, thank you for your wisdom. Okay, enough of that. We are moving away from Norfolk. Today we're going very local indeed. It's Cambridge, the city of Cambridge, where we dwell. Where we, our bodies are present at this very moment. Our bodies are right in Cambridge right now. Now, Cambridge is very famous for its university, of course. It's very old. There's a lot of different colleges, which I will explain. And as a consequence of this oldness, lots of people live there in the in the colleges. And there's a lot of different ghost stories that have, have developed over the years. And in fact, it's said to be the most haunted university in the world. There's loads of uh, colleges, 30, I think there's 30. And a lot of them have got ghost stories. So don't worry, I do not have one ghost story per college. So I'm just going to talk about a few today. That's a podcast series in itself, isn't it? <sighs> it's too many. I mean, a lot of them are quite similar. So you don't really need to delve too deeply into a lot of them. Yes, so we're going to talk about some Cambridge college ghosts. But we have got some drinks which I purchased because they're from um, a brewery in Waterbeach called... Now, how do you think you say this? Pastor. Yeah, Pastor. Pastor. Pastore. There's no accent accent. on the E. So it's probably Pastor. And it's from Waterbeach, not Italy. Yes. (laughs) That's true. Um, And Waterbeach is just... uh, just near Cambridge and that's where my older sister lives Sarah McPhee hello now though I bought them because they're from Waterbeach local also the first one we're going to drink has got a very excellent graphic on the can of a satanic looking goat as I mean indeed all goats are <laughs> you, right? th- you think them all satanic well, <laughs> you see a goat with horns the first thing you think is satan isn't it and loads of blackberries are being poured onto his head for some reason is this a sacrifice <laughs> It looks to me like uh, a pair of hands have just scooped out his brain. And his brain is blackcurrant. Yeah, and just dribbling. No, I think they're dribbling it onto his waiting tongue. Oh, maybe you're right. Anyway, we'll put the picture up on Instagram. Maybe his tongue's out because his brain's just been removed. Could be. It's a blackcurrant water beach weiss. I do not like fruit beers. (laughs) (laughs) For the record. This seems like a poor choice. For the record, I don't like them. (laughs) But we're going to drink it anyway. Oh, God. And we've poured it out. We've got half each. And it's horrifyingly pink. I don't think I've ever seen such a, a pink booze. Have you? It's like um, Fruly. Fruly's this kind of colour, isn't it, I think? I wouldn't drink a Fruly. Oh, no. Oh, God, why have I done this? And also, <laughs> oh, dear. Chris spent all of yesterday getting drunk in London. So he's getting right back on the horse now. This also smells horrifyingly fruity. I'm going to try it. Should we try? Yeah, okay. Okay. Oh, oh, it's... It's tart. It was very tart, <laughs> but not unpleasant. Maybe it's just it's one of those ones Ooh, where the crikey. mouth just has to respond Ooh. to the first sip that goes in. You know, Ooh. it has to kind of regulate itself. It's um for some reason just that one sip has really upped my saliva production. It's making me produce a lot more saliva than I need. <laughs> Why is this happening? What's the purpose of it? Well, oh dear me. We'll <laughs> we'll keep drinking that, and then afterwards we've got one which I'm looking forward to a lot more, which is an orange zest one, and I. 
do you prefer an orange flavour? Mm. And it says it's a porter. But it doesn't say it's a sour. It says orange zest noir, dark sour with orange yeah. zest. So I think I think that the thing that is making you salivate is the sour nature of the beer, and I suspect that one will be similar. Okay. Oh, what? It tells us how to say it on here. Hang oh, on. Okay. Sorry, on. everyone. It's pastore. Oh. Why can't they put an accent on it then? I don't know. It says pastore is Italian for shepherd <laughs> and is in honour of our Italian family. Oh, okay. God, maybe we should delete that bit at the start where I was like, it's Water Beach, not Italy. <laughs> I don't think we should. Because it is Water Beach, not Italy. It says they specialise in mixed fermentation, sour and wild ales. So let's find out what great. that one's like later on. Okay, great. Onwards. Now, Cambridge. Mm-hmm. I've lived in Cambridge most of my life with the exception of about five years when I lived in Brighton, in the middle of it, then I came back. I'm quite familiar with the university. Chris, somewhat. Yeah. I've, well, I've lived in Cambridge for more of my adult life than I haven't, I think. Yeah. Just to, to give a bit of context, I don't want to do a bloody history of Cambridge University. That would be insane. It's 800 years old. Bloody tedious as well. Bloody tedious. It was founded in 1209, so yeah, it's a lot of history. Some scholars ran away from Oxford to set up a rival university. There seems to be some suggestion that one of them had killed a woman in Oxford and then some other scholars were hung as a result, but I'm not really clear on it and also there also seems to be some suggestions it was basically about money, which a lot of things come seems down to. Seems more likely, so. doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And Cambridge University, like Oxford, is structured uh, under a collegiate system. Do you know what that means? Well, made up of many individual colleges. Yes. So most higher education institutions in this country and elsewhere, there's just, you know, the University of Nottingham, University of Sussex, blah, blah, blah. But Cambridge has, has you know, the, the whole umbrella university. Within that, of course, different departments, different faculties, but you also have colleges um, and the colleges are mainly designed for pastoral care. So you would belong to the college and you'd live in the college. Now, I think the best way for you to think about it, if you're not familiar, is Harry Potter. (laughs) Think of it like the houses in Harry Potter. That's like that's more like a boarding school though, right? Yeah, but it's it's that same idea. So you belong to as well as you know, you're studying art history at Cambridge, but you you have your college and that's a lot of the socialising and at least initially would be done in your college. There's college bars, um, you have tuition in your colleges, there's like college sports teams, all that kind of thing. So I think the Harry Potter analogy is close enough. I'll take it as read. As I say, rather than just four of them, like in Harry Potter, there's um, 31 colleges. You said there were 30 earlier. I know, I've just looked down at my page and I've seen it's 31. <laughs> Sorry everyone. They've, but you know, it's changed over time because more have been added. Mm-hmm. Some of them are better known than others. King's College, quite well known, Massive Chapel. Choir. Choir, absolutely. Trinity College, absolutely ridiculously wealthy. The richest of all the Oxbridge colleges own a lot of property, probably investments in all kinds of dodgy shit, I think, with Trinity. <laughs> I don't I don't know the details. Peterhouse, the oldest. Lots of them. Loads, 31. So we'll just look at a few, okay. you know. We'll just look at a few. And I thought, let's start with the oldest college. It's Peterhouse. Everyone, it's Peterhouse. <laughs> I'm just thinking of University Challenge. Peterhouse, Rogers. <laughs> Of course, Chris didn't go to Cambridge. I did that out. <laughs> so, very old, the oldest one. It wasn't founded immediately because there wasn't this collegiate system straight away, but it's nearly 800 years old. That is a whole lot of history mm. for a whole lot of ghosts. A whole lot of dead people. A whole lot of dead people all living there, some of them dying away. Yeah, probably, then more people. crumbling away, you know, up in their garrets, mm. producing a feces that takes them their entire life. And, Pre- sorry. sorry. But, not, not, <laughs> that, what's happening? Thesis. <laughs> TH. I can't say my TH is very well. Sorry. I realise that. Did you see my face look suddenly really confused and shocked? Yeah, and then I realised what you thought I must have meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thesis, he means. <laughs> um, just think, though, if you went to Pete's house and you got your room, your chamber, your bed chamber, think how many people have been in that bed chamber before you over the years. I knew some people actually who were at St John's College. I don't know, maybe St John's College is going to come up later on. Uh, and you had to enter a ballot for the rooms in which you were going to live. And mm. like when you're in your first year, it was just the, the shitty 60s block that was right, around okay. the back kind of thing. And then the longer you were there... The more prestigious the rooms you could be because everyone wants to. the nice old yeah. um, the, in the old old halls. Yeah, and exactly. And, 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 and by you know, if you were a postgrad, you were basically living in a tower somewhere. It right, was, yeah, amazing. 
Wow. Yeah, because they are, again, you're not far off with Harry Potter because a lot of that is filmed in Oxford. The the college buildings as well, a, a lot of them, they're not they're not all as old as this, but a lot of them it's this like quad setup where you've got the kind of rows and rows of windows, which are all these little bed chambers for all the students. What are they called? Where you have the archways that you walk along yeah, like I don't a, know, but I know a colonnade type affair. So yeah, again, it's it's that kind of old English, what Americans think of when they think of what Cambridge University looks like. That's what we're talking about here. And, and the thing is, they're broadly right. They are broadly right. There are new, newer colleges, but a lot of it is this kind of old stuff. And as Chris says, that's for a lot of people, I think, who come to Cambridge. That's what they're attracted to. They like that sense of history and that sense of um, ceremony, I suppose, mm. of being in a very old, grand building, having dinner in a big grand hall with port. And a gown. Yes, a gown. Oh. To me, it's all very peculiar, but um, I can, I suppose, I can see the attraction for some people. You're the town side of the town gown divide. I'm the town side of the town gown divide, although through my work, I'm quite closely connected to the university, but we won't go into that now. Right, Peterhouse. What can we say about Peterhouse? It's fun because it has a history of exorcisms. Ah, that's quite fun. <laughs> we Why? like an exorcism. Why? Because it's very haunted. Oh, as in, okay, so Peterhouse aren't uh, selling exorcism as a service. <laughs> no, 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 no. They have to get the exorcists in. Got you. If only they did know how to do an exorcism, maybe they wouldn't Could've have so many bloody ghosts <laughs> load of trouble. roaming around the halls. Now, the first exorcism at Peterhouse took place in the 18th century. One of the students kept reporting poltergeist activity in their bedroom. What's, when when does a poltergeist come into being a thing? What do you mean? Well, I don't know. I suppose I think of poltergeist as being like a very like Victorian right. idea of like ghostly activity. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm completely making this up. I suppose it's based solely on films and uh, you know ghost stories and things. Like poltergeist to me seems like a newer invention than the 18th century. Maybe it is. Maybe it's only been retrospectively called a poltergeist. Right. And at the time, they just called it a ghost. Stuff was getting chucked about. I will look into this for the future. You mark my words. I guess, and it's mm, maybe German? Is it mm-hmm. a German word? It sounds very German, doesn't mm. it? It sounds like one of those excellent oh, maybe German... Geist. Geist is German for ghost, perhaps. Portmanteau words, where yeah. it's so polters. Jugendherberger. Like, what does that mean? That's a Ufostel. Jugendherberger. <laughs> Jugendherberger. Jugendherberger. Literally the Ufostel, but it's all one word. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I don't know, because they throw things around is the feature of a poltergeist, yes. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the students kept kept reporting poltergeist activity, so an exorcism was was arranged for that. Was the exorcism arranged before they really knew what the ghost was, or did they, did they had a good idea, oh, that was the room that old Smithings died in? For this story, him. I don't know, right. but more is coming about a more recent one, okay. where we do have more information about who is supposedly the the ghost. There was also an exorcism during the 1960s at Peterhouse because a malevolent and ominous spectre was sighted in an old courtyard next to where uh, Little St Mary's Church is, which is a little church right next to Peterhouse. Now, I know about this, actually, because I did a Cambridge ghost tour once, probably, it must be about 20 years ago, I think, and one of the stops on that, I can't really remember two of the stops on them, but one of them was to go into that courtyard at oh, yeah. uh, Peterhouse. And it was summer evening. I reckon it must have been kind of 8.30, 9 o'clock, so just as it was getting dark. Mm, uh, crepuscular. The, yes, exactly. Crepuscular and they, they took light. us in there and told us this story. And it genuinely was, it had a, you know... A creepy air. It had, it had a creepy air to it, absolutely. Because it's you're, you're away from the, well, as I said, away from the bustle, not that Cambridge is ever really that bustling, but you're just you're just not very far from the centre, but just mm. off the road a little bit. Mm. And then you're just in this kind of quiet oasis within an otherwise busy area that seems unsettlingly so. And that courtyard's quite, oh, sorry, the, the uh, graveyard, the cemetery is quite overgrown. Yes. It, or at least it is now. I don't know how it was then. I mean, the church is in use, I think, but it has definitely a slight ramshackle feel. And actually, um, and we'll talk about it another day, but the um, the little lane that runs down the other side of that churchyard to the other side of uh, Peterhouse has a really interesting history involving brothels and strange pubs and things. So I will <laughs> investigate that another day. But And tell me, what did they tell you about well, the story? Well, I what can't really the remember. As I say, it was about 20 years ago. And I, I just remember... Um, 
there being this presence, you know, the idea that there was a presence in this space. I wonder if it's the same story. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure these things, like, you can anybody can set themselves up as a ghost tour And the stories I'm mutate, sure. don't yeah, they, exactly. I reckon, over the years. Well, we don't have much information, just that an ominous and malevolent presence, a dark presence, appeared in the courtyard. That's possibly why I don't know anymore myself. And <laughs> the story goes, ten students witnessed this strange dark spectre and later all committed suicide mm. you know their names no no uh no connection can actually be proven anyway even if they did all later commit suicide was it connected to the seeing the strange spirit was i don't it know like young Sherlock Holmes. they were all part of a mysterious and shadowy cabal and actually they'd been shot with a poison yeah. dart hallucinations had caused them to go and That's they'd where seen the dark some come from. <laughs> they'd seen some dancing cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so that, but 1960s, quite recent. Yeah. This makes me think ten students didn't commit suicide, or there'd surely be, be find, more information. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. But that's just a little, um, a little taster of the Pete House stories. The most recent and detailed account we have. There was a well-publicised spate of hauntings at Peter House as recently as 1997. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that was widely reported on. There's BBC reports about it, and this led to another exorcism. So we have more information here. Two members of staff reported seeing a ghostly apparition in a white hooded cloak making its way through uh, an oak-panelled room which adjoined the fellow's dining room. And the oak-panelled room, this is no doubt a very Cambridge term that has some meaning, but I don't know what it is. It's called the combination room. And they reported they saw this white cloaked figure proceeding through the room and then disappearing when it reached a wall. Sorry, who is reported to have seen this? uh, Two staff members. Um, I think if it's next to the dining room, I bet they were taking food through to the fellows. Either that or they've had a night on the port. Could be. There's a lot of ports swigging around those colleges. Others others reported in the same room, they reported uh, sudden drops of temperature. Oh, classic. Very classic. They reported hearing strange knockings in the walls. People looked into it. The dean, he looked into it. It was reported there used to be a door at the point where that mm. mysterious figure had disappeared so at the wall. memory of their previous... Perhaps. The BBC reported in December 1997 that the ghost was thought to have been the restless spirit of a former bursar and classicist called Mr Dawes. Mr Dawes had hung himself in the 18th century in the very same room. Oh, well, there you go. That seems pretty conclusive. His suicide was apparently the result of some bad college politics. The BBC tells us, Mr Dawes committed suicide in his 60s after blaming himself for the controversial election of Francis Barnes as master of Peterhouse. The election, overseen by the bursa, was marked by skullduggery and resulted in a highly unpopular victor. Mm. Was it a woman? No. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing Uh, could be more unpopular in a Cambridge I'll just tell you a horrifying fact about women in Cambridge University. The most recent college... so, So initially they were all obviously men only... The most recent college to admit women, sorry, the the last college to admit women was as recently as 1988. Wow. And that was uh, Maudlin. Right. And they still would not allow women until 1988. Astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not all bloody Harry Potter. Hermione wouldn't have been allowed in for ages, would she? Poor old Hermione. Worse, Worse to be a muggle. Secondly, no, no women at Hogwarts. So the dean, after these various uh, ghostly goings on, people started to say, oh, it's Mr. Dawes, highly unpopular victor. He he led to that. So the dean said, we're going to do an exorcism. He called this exorcist in. Who was the Do we know who the exorcist was? I don't have a name. How do you find an exorcist? You go to a Catholic church. <laughs> I don't know. Do you yellow, yellow pages? pages. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. 97, the internet wasn't really taking off, was it? They probably yeah. have a different name now. They're probably called like paranormal consultants or, yeah, or like something. Deceased entity services. <laughs> That sounds like a, a shadowy, you know, you'd see that initials and it would you wouldn't ever know what was going on. Just on a, a faceless door on a street, yeah. anonymous street And then street they'd somewhere. zap you with a like men in black memory stick. Whatever they have then, men in black. So the exorcist suggested holding a full requiem mass. He, That's probably the most expensive option on the car. <laughs> I'm sure. He said all 48 fellows should attend, all the staff should attend, Understandably, some of the staff were like, this is total shit. <laughs> <laughs> what you, what I'm on one earth? of the most intelligent people in the world. 
and you are suggesting to me that I attend an exorcism. I bet that's what they said. Um, yeah, some of them felt it was absolutely ridiculous and a distinguished seat of learning shouldn't be bowing to superstition in this way. The exorcism was futile anyway, <laughs> uh, as further sightings of the door spirit have continued into the 21st oh, really? century. Well, we, so they say. Yeah, which is the more nonsense? <laughs> the <laughs> the exorcism mean? or the sightings? Uh, well, I suppose you could suggest the Dean just wanted to kind of put an end to all this rumour and coverage and he thought if I, if we do an exorcism the staff that do believe in this mm. will be reassured and hopefully no more sightings that obviously didn't work people love to do a ghost sighting probably though i would i'd love to see a ghost brilliant <sighs> well go and hang around some of these colleges Okay, so that's our first ghost, Mr. Dawes. Is it Dawes as in like the Dawes or Dawes no. as in like the A-W-E-S? Yes, right. second one. So he was a bursar, bad college politics. This is, you know, not an unusual occurrence at Cambridge that there should be some bad college politics. <laughs> a lot of infighting, power struggles, all that kind of thing. Okay, now, ghost number two, the Grey Lady of Girton College. A classic Grey Lady. Always grey. Every ghostly lady, always grey. Find me a different coloured grey lady, a uh, different coloured lady. Mm, the woman in white, the woman in black. Oh, okay, but I mean, really, that's they're all grey, aren't they? Quite grey of skin. <laughs> yeah, the grey ghostly skin. Now we like Girton College. Do we? Well. I was going to tell you some stuff about it. Okay. We, we like it probably a bit more than some of the others. It was established in 1869 as the first women's college at the university. Initially, as I say, women were not allowed in any of the colleges. Then there was sometime in the 1800s, they were allowed to attend, but they were not allowed to receive degrees. So they could attend, but they would not receive any certification or degree for a while. And then they said, oh, okay, you can have those then. Fine. And then there were a number of women-only colleges set up to cater for this because they didn't want the men's colleges to have to accept women. Very distracting. Very distracting. So they had to set up some women's colleges. So Girton was the first of these, 1869. In 1976, it became the first of the previously women-only colleges to become co-educational. So they were like, yep, get on board with that. It's also known for admitting higher numbers of students from state schools right. than, than a lot of the other colleges. Um, and it's generally one of the less traditional and a bit more progressive of the colleges. So hooray. Hooray for Girton. But doesn't mean no ghosts. <laughs> doesn't mean there's no ghosts there. Girton College is haunted by the Grey Lady. Shall we hear more? Yeah, sure. The Grey Lady first appeared in the late 1800s, not long after the college was first opened. Of course, at the time, it was all a new building. So there wasn't a huge amount of history, not like Peterhouse. Oh, but had it been built on an Indian burial ground? <laughs> the famous Cambridgeshire Indian burial ground. <laughs> the Grey Lady has been sighted on the Taylor Knob Staircase. I don't know what that is. <laughs> the mind runs wild. Taylor Knob Staircase. Um, she appears in a long grey blouse and a long grey skirt. A lot of grey. Uh, she comes on the staircase. Again, quite popular, I think, for ghosts. A staircase? Yeah. Maybe because it's about passage from one plane to the next transition <laughs> a staircase is a yeah a, a, a liminal area i suppose Ooh. the story that's grown up around the sightings of the gray lady is that she is the ghost of a miss taylor who was due to start as a student at the college but died before she ever made it there oh. would a ghost though haunt a place it had never actually lived that seems unlikely doesn't it i think so yes or unless you're like oh i don't want to go to the afterlife um i'm still going to go to university she didn't know she was dead. <laughs> well, is that I mean, what you're saying? No, I was just thinking that, like, you know, ghosts are often said to um, exist in this world because they have unfinished business, aren't yes. they? Yes. So her unfinished business was just to get a degree. Oh, that's quite sad. Oh, maybe I don't... she graduated. Well, <laughs> maybe she graduated. Quite oh, good, God, quite she doesn't good, know uh... she's dead. It's the sixth sense all over again. <laughs> Jesus. So I don't know, but um, more recently, a porter at the college claims to have seen her, um, and he has a different theory. Right. He says that he saw the Grey Lady in the middle of the night during the Christmas holidays. So the college was was pretty much empty, just a couple of porters around keeping an eye on things. Um, and he says he saw her in the porter's lodge. Oh. Again, wearing a, a grey blouse, a long grey skirt. But he puts the addition of a belt and a large set of keys. Oh, so it's a ghostly porter. 
Yeah, so he reckons she is the ghost of a previous porter of the college who has basically taken umbrage to the fact that men are allowed now <laughs> at the college and that there are male porters. So she's like, she's kind of pissed off, hanging around, pissed off that, that they've let men in. Jangling keys at them. Yeah, oh, you bastards. <laughs> That's how the grey lady speaks. <laughs> Sounds a bit revisionist to me. <laughs> yeah, so that's a more recent story about the grey lady. Any reports of her actually terrifying anyone? All no, she doesn't moment? seem to be a scary no. one, but there are there's scary stuff coming. Okay. Don't you worry. Are you concerned they're not scary enough? You know my worries about ghost stories. Never scary enough. Never scary enough. No, so you're right. Those first two are relatively benign, aren't they? Mm. Although Mr. Dawes, people were alarmed. Well, you'd be alarmed, sure. But if they're just there, mm. not really doing much. Well, you get used to it, I expect, don't you? Some fun is coming up as we move to Sydney, Sussex. Oh, yeah. Do you know anything about Sydney, Sussex? Mm, it's near Sainsbury's. <laughs> yes, near Sainsbury's. Well, Sydney, Sussex is probably best known as being the final resting place of Oliver Cromwell's head. Ah. Did you know about this? No, well, I know there's a whole lot of uh, conjecture, isn't there, about where Oliver Cromwell's head actually is, yeah. isn't there? So, again, I'm afraid Cromwell rears up. Rears up, interrupting our stories. Like a bad smell. Making himself known. Funny you should mention a smell as well, actually. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I'll come back to that. So we can't go long without mentioning our old friend Cromwell, can we? I'm going to take a final few swigs of this. I've finished mine. And while I do, I'm going to tell you about Cromwell's corpse. Mm. What fun. Cromwell died. The year was 1658. His body was initially buried in Westminster Abbey with all the pomp and circumstance that would have accompanied a a royal burial. Oh, well, he must have hated that. Well, he'd gone power mad by the end. He probably had... Well, he didn't have a great time. (laughs) He was dead. But he was probably, you know, he'd gone a bit over bored hadn't he with the power it's not puritanical though is it no but they did a big huge state funeral basically parading him about i think uh the head's actually, still on at this point the head's still on right i think i read that they actually had buried the body and then they did the big procession with the just an empty coffin right because they'd had to bury him because it was you know, didn't have any morgues in those days no. so but they you know had this big so he wasn't even at his own funeral is what you're saying no, not even there what a slacker it wasn't long after that, though, that Charles II reclaimed the throne. The restoration of the monarchy followed. All of Cromwell's plans in tatters. Yeah, and it was ordered that the body of Cromwell should be disinterred and given a mock execution. Oh, right, to make up for all that nasty stuff with Charles I. I think so. They were like, don't leave him in there. We need to do something with him. Punish him. Punish him even now. So they dug him up. From Westminster Abbey. They strung his corpse upon the gallows for all to see and then cut the body down after a while, beheaded him and displayed his head on a spike outside Westminster Hall. head on a spike. Yeah. So we get a classic bit of gibbeting in there as well. The head blew down in a storm (laughs) in the late 1680s. How, how, how long had it been up there before it blew down? Um, 20 years or something. Had the, really? That long? Yeah. Had they done the thing where they dip it in wax? I don't know, love. Because otherwise you're just, the flesh is just going to rot off, isn't it? That's true, you're right. I think, I think when, you're, when, you, when you're demonstrating a head on a spike, you're, right, you're supposed yeah. to treat it, aren't you, in some way first? Well, it blew down in a storm. It was then sold to a collector of curiosities whose name was Claudius Dupuy, and he had a private museum of curiosities in London, which was all the rage among right. the uh, the fashion fashionable folk of like London a kind town. Of Ripley's believe it or not for the old days. Yes, exactly. But yeah, not open to the public, can't let them in just for the just for the toffs. Um so he bought the head he exhibited in this private museum. After the death of Claudius Dupuis, the head passed through the possession of various collectors, eventually being inherited in 1957 by a man named Horace Wilkinson. And there's quite a bit of, you know, there was some back and forth. Various people claimed over the years that they had the true head of Oliver Cromwell. The different heads, they tried to, like, validate what was the real head, tracing the provenances back. You could just DNA test it now, couldn't you? Yeah, you could. But there seems to be agreed that Horace Wilkinson, the head he ended up with in the 50s... Was the proper head. ...was the actual head of Cromwell. Now, Wilkinson didn't want to exhibit the head, which is what had been happening over the years. People wanted to make some money... Come and see Cromwell's head, the rotter, or the hero, we don't know, as discussed. Hero turned rotter. Yeah, yeah. And Wilkinson thought we should probably actually give this head a proper proper burial. So he contacted Sydney Sussex College. Why? Uh, 
because that was the college Cromwell had attended. He was an alumni of Sydney, Sussex. I don't know what he studied. Political history. Yeah. (laughs) SPS. So he approached Sydney, Sussex, and the head was buried in a secret ceremony in 1960. And the head had been kept for many years in an oak box to display it. This oak box was put into an airtight container, and then that was in turn buried in a secret location near the anti-chapel of the college. And that secret location is still secret. Right. Presumably, there must be somebody who knows, though, right? Sure. Probably if you're the dean. Yeah, you've probably got access to the Not the dean, sorry, the master of the college. You get that is the secret information which is passed over to you. Yeah, it's exciting. And actually, it was a couple of years before they made an announcement that Cromwell's head had been buried on the site because they didn't want... So the college themselves don't deny it? No, no, no. It was made public eventually, but they didn't want to... They wanted to get it out of the way, do the secret ceremony. They didn't want loads of press showing up and Cromwell protesters or (laughs) lovers, I don't know, who would come. (laughs) The pro and the anti-brigade. Exactly. You'd get them just lined up, lined up at Sydney Sussex shouting at each other. How can you bury a head in those circumstances? (laughs) Can't be expected. Very difficult. So, Cromwell's head is on site at Sydney Sussex. Interesting. What can this mean for ghost sightings? Before we find out, let's try our next drink. Right, we're on to drink number two from Pastore Water Beach. This one is orange zest noir, a dark sour with orange zest. It is quite a strong 6.6%. On the back, it says that it will taste of chocolate orange and juicy citrus. Okay, I like chocolate orange. And I should say, the, it's very, very dark in colour. Yeah. Like a dark, it's like, like a, porter, yeah, like a porter. Um, and it smells quite scary. Mm. How would you describe the aroma? It's a bit of a kind of burnt smell. Yeah. I want to say musty. Yeah. Well, that, it, like, yeah, they'd like the musty smell of an old ghost. In a cupboard. Mm. Of, a, of a hidden skull. You're being very um, premonition-y today. Oh, really? Yeah, you'll find out why. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I haven't read your notes, I promise. No, no. Okay, well, we'll give this a try, then we'll hear about the hauntings of Sydney Sussex College. Cheers. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it is sour, for sure. Quite burnt. Yeah, I can't really Quite taste a burnt citrus, taste. I wouldn't say. Let me have another bit. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Like, I don't know whether I like it or not. On on two sips. I'm definitely not tasting chocolate orange. No, chocolate I shouldn't orange. have told you about chocolate orange no. because now your no, your expectations yeah. were too high. Okay. I mean, I'll well, drink it. Yeah, we're going to drink it. Make no mistake. Okay, so as you can imagine, the knowledge of Cromwell's head being buried at the site may stir quite the imaginative uh, experiences of the students. You may not be surprised to hear that later in the 1960s, once news of the the head's burial had become public. A report came in of a spectral disembodied mm-hmm. head floating around <laughs> Chapel Court in the college grounds. Much like the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland, the ghostly presence first made itself known as a mouth began to materialise oh, in God. mid-air, followed by the rest of a pale yellow putrid-looking head. Mm. Imagine that appearing before you. Yeah, well, I guess it had been out of the ground for years. Absolutely terrifying. The appearance of this floating head was accompanied by the disgusting stench of rotting flesh. And this uh, is quite the recurring theme at Sydney Sussex Hauntings. <laughs> Always a disgusting stench will accompany any um, any sighting. Can I just speculate that they've just got bad drains? Not these old buildings. <laughs> you can certainly speculate. And what about the Cheshire Cat style? Well, obviously, I can't offer any rational Floating mouth. For that. Again, the port, you think, perhaps. (laughs) It is the 60s. Oh, well. Who knows what they're up to. There aren't many other reports of the head itself, but there are a lot of reports of disgusting smells. A lot of students say that vile smells would suddenly manifest. Uh, Again, the drop in temperature. The odour was described as musty, Mm. earthy, and strangely, like OXO and spam. Well, I guess they're good frames of reference for 60s student food, aren't they? <laughs> Although probably not at Sydney Sussex College. You're probably imagine, eating quails or something. Imagine like that. if you saw a ghost and then someone was like, oh, what, how, what was your it experience like? like spam. Well, a bit spammy. <laughs> Smell a bit spammy. <laughs> um, and there are also, which I quite like, but unfortunately it's just brief information about it, there are also tales of a purple hovering eye appearing in Sydney Sussex uh, in the rooms of various students. 
again accompanied by a vile and putrid stench. A ghostly peeper. Yeah, just a purple eye appearing. So maybe Cromwell's just materialising different bits of him and now his power has grown weak, so all he can muster is like an an eye. Yeah, only head bits, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, only head bits. (laughs) So very smelly, the Sydney Sussex hauntings. Well, yeah, I'm not Um, convinced. (laughs) We all all like to blame bad smells on... uh, On ghosts. Yeah, something paranormal, don't we? Just so you don't have to call the plumber. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what the uh, what the master was like. It's like we're not getting the plumbers out. Tell Let's blame them, it on Cromwell's head. Tell them it's Cromwell. <laughs> yeah. So Sydney Sussex, floating head, purple hovering eye, and disgusting smells. <laughs> That's the uh, the supernatural okay. goings on there. Still not that scared. Okay, aren't you? I found the purple hovering eye quite scary. I find it quite comical. <laughs> you don't know what it's doing. Well, it's probably glowering. Has it got? It's like uh, you know the optic. The, the optic nerve dangling. Yeah, exactly. Would you find that more or less scary? I think more. Okay. If it was just a, you know, a, a purple sphere. I wouldn't like it because it hasn't, if you think think about this, the uh, the hovering eye probably hasn't got an eyelid. No. So that eye is going to be looking at you yeah. all the time. Well, no, Just a constant peeping oh, eye. Well, yeah, only if you're in front of it though. Well, the eye will follow you probably around, it can hover. So I don't like the sound of it because I think that's like, um, it's almost like a guilty conscience, isn't it? Like you feel like you're being watched all the time, like this eye is just sort of following you around your room, never even blinking. I bet just... Crom- Cromwell was a pervert. I bet that's what it is. <laughs> Maybe. Well, we have one more college to discuss. Okay. But we may maybe we'll do a, a round two of this at some point because there's a lot more stories. Finally, we move on to Corpus Christi. Corpus. College. Perhaps known as the most haunted of all the colleges. Is it? Well, that's what they would have you believe. Where, whereabouts is Corpus Christi? I'm not sure I know where that is. Uh, Corpus Christi is on Trumpington Street. It's in between the Fitzwilliam Museum and King's Parade. Okay. It's on that stretch there. Fine, yeah. Um, Corpus is also, it's another one of the very old ones. It's got the, again, this kind of very typical, the kind of neo-Gothic architecture with the vaulted halls, cloisters, the old court, the new court. It's all very dark drawing rooms with kind of plump sofas and like dark portraits of old masters on the walls and that kind of thing. Yeah, dusty books. I mean, it does sound quite appealing, actually. Yeah. Maybe we could do one of our rooms up like that. Get some oak panel. Like an old um an old university drawing yeah. room. Okay. And we'd have to have a sideboard with all the drinks. Perfect. I've always wanted a sideboard. That would be with great, wouldn't it? But it can't be beer. It can only be port, whiskey, different wines. Is that a rule or are you just making that up? That's now? that's how I imagine it. Okay. <laughs> because they wouldn't have stuff like rum or vodka. Hadn't been invented yet. I think they definitely have whiskey, probably brandy, and they'll definitely have port and then they'll have some fine wines. Sherry. Yeah, probably sherry. So when your gran comes round, we can... Uh... Oh, she'll have a great time. Yeah. She loves sherry. My gran's 98. I think the sherry's got her there, you know. <laughs> I think she's... I just can only attribute it to a lot of drinking over the years. Well preserved. Yeah, exactly. Like Cromwell. Mm. <laughs> okay, Corpus Christi. Incidentally, the Corpus Christi, each college has a crest, again, very Harry Potter. Um, and the Corpus Christi crest has a pelican on it. Uh, and a, you know what a pelican does? Gobbles stuff into its gigantic bill. A pelican, <laughs> a pelican will pierce its own breast. It's been observed piercing its own breast in order to feed its young its blood. What? Yes. How does it pierce its own breast? With its beak. It just pecks at itself. It pecks itself. Oh, my God. And then it can feed its young its blood if necessary. And what benefit is there? Well, if there's no food supply. Right. So you can be sustained on blood. I suppose it's like black pudding, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not a long-term answer. (laughs) But that's the... So it's quite a gory crest, even, that that Corpus have got. Oh, well, and, and Corpus Christi, the body of Christ, right? Yeah. Got you. So, ghosts, gore... Bodies, do you think the pelican? Do you think the pelican? I mean, that's not the reason why they've got a pelican on their crest, presumably. Well, it's just, uh, it's like a sign of self-sacrifice, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, because it's it's a it's a uh, emblem of giving something up yourself in order to help somebody else. Oh, okay, never knew that. Do you want to hear about Doctor Henry Butts? <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one called? Mr. Dawes. Dawes. Dawes and Butts. Now we have Doctor Henry Butts, one of the best known of the college ghosts. The life of Butts is quite well documented. 
He was an academic and priest who completed his education at Corpus Christi College. He was then made a fellow in 1597. Wow. He later rose to the highest position in the college hierarchy, becoming master in 1626 and later vice-chancellor of the whole university. Wow. So he was quite a, a Billy Big Balls in the, in the uh, university world. There's a document um, which is available online um, about the history of the college. It describes Butts as an overworked man in Cambridge's nastiest period. I can't imagine Cambridge ever having a nasty period. Well, I'll tell you what happened in uh, 1630. A bout of bubonic plague stuck the town. I was going to say, I bet it's the plague. Yeah. Now, when the plague came, most of the fellows and scholars fled. They were like, we're getting out of this urban hellhole. Yeah, screw this. Go off to the country somewhere where... where open sewers. Yeah, where there's not as much risk of infection. Working but... from home. <laughs> Didn't have Microsoft Teams in those days, did they? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> but, however, rather than fleeing to the perceived safety of a rural area somewhere, stayed in the town to attend to the sick. Oh, well, um, And to try to comfort the dying, trying to organise help efforts wherever he could. During this period, he wrote that he was alone and forsaken by the other scholars, but he took some comfort in hoping that God was with him. However... Good luck with that. <laughs> the following year, when the plague had passed and most of the scholars had returned, he became the target of prolonged criticism and backstabbing within the university's political scene. There are some suggestions that this was partly superstition, that um, people turned on him because they were superstitious about the fact that he'd been around all these plague victims. Right. I reckon there was a bit of guilt, probably, right. yeah. that people didn't like the fact that he kind of was a reminder that somebody had stayed to try and help and they'd all pissed off to the country. So I wonder if that was was part of it. Um, there was some business about royal vid- visits that he had tried to organise that had like become, you know, pissed some people off. Just the usual the usual political bullshit. Right. But Butts found this all very difficult, especially after his very difficult time alone trying to help plague victims and seeing all this horror and people dying. It does sound a bit hard done by. At this point, Butts felt that even God had forsaken him. He felt his his attempts to be good had not been rewarded and, in fact, he was suffering more than ever before. Is that the way it's supposed to work? Well... You get rewarded... Surely your reward comes upon entry to the kingdom of heaven. Well, (laughs) maybe. The college history reports, after all this, his mind gave way. Oh, God. Poor Henry Butts. Poor Dr. Henry Butts. First forsaken by the scholars, next forsaken by God. On Easter Day in 1632, he was due to give an Easter sermon, but he did not show up. A visit to his quarters found him hanged by his garters from a doorway in the old master's lodge. That was his living living quarters. Poor old butts. The history of Corpus Christi I was reading, which I think is rather mean, describes this as his tedious and gruesome suicide. (laughs) What a tedious suicide. I mean, fair enough, gruesome. It's a bit much to call someone suicide tedious, isn't it? Don't you think? Are they suggesting he could have done it in a more dramatic way? I don't, I mean, what, just, it's a bit like... Climbed to the highest point of the college and then thrown himself off. It's a bit like, um, it reminded me a bit of, you know, when teenagers are really depressed and miserable and people are like, oh, you're just being so tedious and boring. Like, your your existential misery is so tedious. Yeah. Get over it. It's been done so many times before. Yeah, so I just thought that was a bit... (laughs) <laughs> a bit of a sad end for old Butts. So Butts's ghost is said to haunt the college. This has been going on for many, many, many years. Sometimes he appears in a long white robe. Sometimes just the top half oh. of a floating body. <laughs> but always with black or red marks around Ooh, the that's neck. That's quite gruesome. Yeah, where he was, was hung. And often is described as being in a terrible state of agitation. So he's not like a peaceful ghost. He's like... He's agitated, he's upset, uh, and he makes terrible noises of torment. Oh, what noises? See, that's the thing, noises. (laughs) That sort of thing, I imagine. That last one sounded like Alan Partridge. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it seems there was a a particular spate of hauntings during the 1880s. Cooks started to refuse to go into the kitchens after dark. The kitchens were situated just below where the old master's lodge was. Here comes Vin. Here comes the sound of um, torment. 
They said the noises that they were hearing grew so frequent and awful that they couldn't bear to go into the kitchens because they would just hear these horrible wails of, of agony and torment. Poor Butts in his existential misery. During the same period, a student reported that he was had to climb out of his window because he was up in one of the um, rooms in the old court and he said the noises grew so horrendous. Uh, he was so desperate to escape the noises that he like crawled out onto the high roof of the college to try and escape. He crawled out of his bedroom window onto the roof to try and get away from these wails of agony. Like, he was larking around, he got busted. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just leave by the door? <laughs> He was like, oh, I'm going to, you know. Well, actually, there were probably rules about when you could go out, actually. Vin is giving his own horrible Uh, cries of torment. He just wants a stroke. He's not in existential agony. A group of students tried to perform an exorcism in 1904. A bodged amateur exorcism? (laughs) They wanted to rid the College of Dr Butts once and for all. (laughs) Um, But the hauntings continued on and off through the 20th century. The last recorded sighting took place in 1967. It's funny how all these sightings drop off as uh, we enter the modern world, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what's also funny was that the the college master, who's the like the head of the college, think uh, Snape or I uh, can't remember who the other ones are in Harry Potter. You can't have like you. the the head of the house. He let it be known during the sixties that anyone who reported sightings would be, as they say, sent down which means you're basically ejected from living on college grounds. And then there weren't many sightings after that. Yeah, how convenient. (laughs) But that's not the end of Corpus. Nope. Uh, There's another story, and this is why I said it was weird earlier. You said about um, a, a cupboard didn't you? I did, yeah. Someone stuck in a cupboard. Corpus has a second ghostly tale associated with it, and that relates to a pair of deaths in 1667. At the time, John Spencer was the master. No, not of Blues Explosion fame. I saw it on your face. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking of uh, John Spencer, the snooker player. <laughs> who you, is you the, just who imagine is the I'm always John thinking Spencer? about the Blues Explosion, but <laughs> I've got range. John Spencer lived in the lodge with his wife and daughter. She was called Elizabeth. They were the only women of course that lived on the college grounds there were cooks and things but they didn't live there but no women at all apart from the family of the master Elizabeth the daughter regularly met to take tea with a young student called James Betts Mm, Betts and Butts Betts and Butts James Betts had taken a fondness to Elizabeth and the two would meet as had probably every other man in the college. <laughs> well, there's only, only one woman. <laughs> now, she knew that her father, John Spencer, would not approve at all of this arrangement. So she always arranged these meetings when he was out of town, off doing his business somewhere else, and she knew that they'd be safe to meet up. However, on one fateful day, he returned unexpectedly and was heard approaching the room, the drawing room where Elizabeth and James were taking tea. Quickly! Elizabeth hustled James Betts into a cupboard to hide him and then, after greeting her father, left the room, assuming that James would be able to make his escape later in the day. However, apparently there was no latch on the inside of the cupboard door. James was trapped. Elizabeth, several days later, realised that she hadn't seen him in a while. (laughs) The story goes she went back to check the cupboard. Surely he couldn't still be there. She opened the door... A sad, sad tale. Out tumbled the corpse of James Betts. Out he came. Poor Elizabeth found the asphyxiated body. Reports differ on how Elizabeth met her end. The usual story suggests that she committed suicide in a fit of remorse and sadness, right. having herself put James in that bloody cupboard. Yeah, and not um, the check. She, in the suicide version, flung herself from the top of one of the old court buildings... Again, you have uh, guessed the outcome. (laughs) The corpus history, which is a bit more official, suggests instead that after the death of James Betts, she fell into a decline and died. Right. The nature of um, the decline is is vague. Very boring heights. (laughs) Yeah. just She fell into a decline and died. Either way, it is said that the ghosts of Elizabeth Spencer and James Butts continue to haunt the college, particularly around Christmas. Together or separately? Around and about. (laughs) (laughs) just around the place (laughs) and that is the corpus haunting so they have three quite specific ghosts not just a grey lady here a mystery spectre there they've got some um, some named ghosts where the 
certainly we cannot verify the ghostly sightings, but we can verify the histories to some extent of the people involved. It's nice to be able to put a, a name, isn't it? A name to a ghost. Sure. If you've seen a um, floating disembodied head, you want to know who that head belongs yeah, sure. to. Or a uh, wailing, tormented, agonised spectre howling, howling, howling all day long. Yeah, you want to know who that is. I mean, I like to think that the exorcism in 1904 was not just about ridding the college. I think, I like to think they took pity. Yeah, they wanted to try and, you know, lay him at rest kind of Yeah, because it sounds like he was having an awful time, just wailing and wailing. Kind of, that's part of the point, isn't it, of an exorcism? To lay the spirit to rest. I think so, yeah. yeah. That's presumably how you Well, it depends it. if you're doing it for selfish reasons or altruistic reasons. Yeah, I suppose so. But the, the, the two might equal each other, mightn't they? It may very well be that the way to uh, stop your miserable time is to make somebody else feel a bit better about theirs. That's how it should turn out. That's some college ghosts. Great. We just have a few there. Peter House, exorcisms, Grey Lady of Girton, Cromwell's Head, and then um, poor old Dr Henry Butts. But there's loads more, so maybe we'll do another, a little another session on, on other college ghosts at some point. How accessible are a lot of the colleges? I know a lot of them do like tours and things, don't they? But at the moment, all very inaccessible. Uh, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, you could. The thing is, you wouldn't. What you would see if you go into a college, you'll see the courtyard. You might see the great hall. You might see the dining room. You're not going to be shown like the drawing room, the master's lodges, anything like that, because there'll still be people living in those spaces. Yeah, right. So you wouldn't get to see the kind of the secret bits. That's what I always want the secret. You want bits. the secret bits. Well, we need to find someone who lives in one. Yeah. And get them to there must be, uh, sneak passages, us in. Mustn't there? Like the Cluedo house. There's all kinds of stories about secret tunnels under a lot of the college buildings, but also just all over Cambridge. Yeah, that's what I want to know about. Secret tunnels? Absolutely. Okay, I'll find some secret it's tunnel accessible stories. Accessible from a uh, you know, a wine cellar in Jesus College. Yeah. You can roll back a barrel and then all sorts of stories about that. And that, like the hidden treasure that the colleges have stashed away, you know, in these in these secret tunnels. I think a lot of the stories about the secret tunnels are for the scholars wanting to get off the grounds at night and go and um, get up to mischief, yeah. you know. But yeah, secret tunnels, we'll do it. Great. But not today, today's ghosts. We're done now. We're done. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the college ghosts. And unlike Chris, we're scared and terrified by the tales or amused, possibly. Or, you know, just sad for Dr. Henry Butts. That's that's my, my general feeling. Not sad for Cromwell, though. No, fuck Cromwell. He deserved everything that was coming to him. <laughs> I do find it amusing that they were like, oh, well, he's already dead, so we can't, you know, we can't execute him, but we're going to pretend <laughs> that we can execute him. <laughs> of an already dead man. Yeah. His head must have come off really easily. Yeah, well, I, I, you hang someone by the neck, it could have just pulled it straight off, couldn't it? Once the uh, decay had already set exactly, in. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Could have been quite funny. <laughs> you know, darkly funny. Yeah, if you were a royalist. Not if you were a... Um... No, not for Mrs Cromwell. Well, God, I don't even know if there was a Mrs Cromwell. I imagine he was a bit much yeah. to put up with. Let's end it there. I think, you know, always back to bloody Cromwell. <laughs> little by little over our episodes, the whole life of Cromwell will be uh, will be, be revealed in, in different bits and pieces. Okay, thank you. Come and have a look at the website. Got a bit of blog shit up on there. We've got an Instagram, Ruth is Stranger. Ruth underscore is underscore Stranger. Not got much else, though. That's it. Okay, see you soon. Bye.